Hello and welcome back to Thacker Sunday Hangover with me, James Thacker. Welcome to season two uh, and we're starting off season two with a bang because alongside me with my first face-to-face podcast, we have oh, for his second appearance on the podcast, mm. Mr. James Budd. How Hello. are you, sir? I'm good, thanks. Hello, everyone. I am great. We've got to do all this awkward intro piece, even though you've been at the house for about two and a half hours now. But anyway, how's life? How are you doing? Obviously, we're going to go on to what's been going on in your life recently. Um, but how are you, sir? I'm, I'm pretty well. Yeah, it's coming to the end of summer. So but luckily, the weather's still OK. Um, now I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. But yeah, as you, as you mentioned the jog was a big challenge I recently did. So a couple of days after that, I was in a massive slump, but I'm back to my normal self now. We can, we'll go into that in yeah, more detail. I was going to say, because after you've completed, I mean, it, there was such build up to your challenge for months and months and months. And obviously you've done a lot of training and a lot of dedication towards it. And then obviously you had the crescendo of the actual challenge. And then I can imagine after it's finished, you're like, yeah. yeah okay like loads of endorphins all the time every day and then all of a sudden it's like gone and you're like ah oh no um which i'm sure is like is similar to the way i'm sure like athletes when they retire having that like buzz of you know the adrenaline rush having that i suppose sport to sink their teeth into all the time and then all of a sudden it's gone they're like shit what do i do so was it like that kind of come down yeah for you? low level version of that i guess i mean don't not to undersell it it was really crap for really? Like two days well yeah no. but not to the extent of a like a sportsman retiring but yeah yeah. I, yeah two weeks long i was just on the bike every single day and then i, I had the euphoria and all the adrenaline of finishing mm. for two about two days and then the next day i just woke up like the sun was out is when it was london was 28 degrees and the sun yeah, was yeah. out and i was like i should be feeling on top of the world but uh, even like i was walking my dog jesse through the woods and it was just like ugh like just, <laughs> just ugh. that's tough man but it's like that's that is kind of it well it's, it's not ironic but it's also i suppose it's quite fitting that you were doing a ride on behalf of loose heads who are a mental health charity we're both involved in um and i suppose after achieving something so great you then found yourself where you for whatever reason are in that kind of slump and a place where you're like feeling quite shit, but I suppose you're in a beneficial position. And I suppose the whole point about you doing the ride was to raise awareness around mental health and like the fact that you can fall in or slip into those little bouts of like feeling not so great, but you then know how to like, okay, well, I recognize that. And then you take proactive steps, I suppose, yeah. to come through. Yeah, did, so I mean, I did, that's the thing as well. Like, yeah. I did everything. I actually mentioned this on the last podcast. When you're ticking off everything, you know, that's making you, you, you feel good. And it's still not making you feel good. Yeah. It's like that's when you need to really check in with yourself because yeah. when you yeah you you're doing your workout, you're getting out in the sun with the dog, like you're eating well, making sure you're staying hydrated or sleeping pretty well. I when I was doing all of that, and then I was still feeling re- like in a slump. So it was it was genuinely the only thing I could put it into is the the, the post challenge come down. Yeah, I suppose it's it's kind of like I mean, well, for I mean, some people probably won't know what on earth we're talking about if you haven't listened to um the first podcast that james did um so we will go into the challenge but i guess you could like compare after you've completed something like that it's kind of like withdrawal symptoms because i think adrenaline and endorphins are kind of like the best drug there is and when you yeah when you all of a sudden stop it at that level that you're at it's kind of i suppose you you kind of like it is withdrawal symptoms i guess because it is that like 
Yeah. What was it called? Like enzyme that's like coursing through your body. Yeah. Everything was there yeah, pumping at full speed, like because yeah. I had to just keep keep myself going for twelve days. Um, yeah, everything must have been firing at all cylinders. Yeah. So when yeah, I I had the chance to like relax in the first two days and like enjoy the fact that I'd finished, and mm. then that was it. Once I'd once I'd like done some processing and come to terms with the fact that I finished, I was like, oh wow, I finished. Like I don't have a. It felt like I felt purposeless. Like it sounds strange to say, because obviously my life has purpose, and that's not to say like I genuinely felt purposeless. But in those two days, because I'd been gearing up to that challenge, been training for it since December last year, um, and I was factoring training and eating and everything into my my work for through the summer. It just I was it was what I thought about at the every, end of every day, yeah. at the start of every day. It was like occupied my mind, and then it would. It could, I could wash my mind of it, and it was so strange to think. Mm. That was just yeah, it was just so That's strange. That's mad. That's mad. Let's let's delve deeper into it then. So, uh, so first of all, like, why did you decide? So, I, actually, we'll rewind. What was the challenge, and then why did you decide to take it on? What was the kind of first thought behind it? Because I think we we briefly talked about it, but that was more like we were. I think last time we were talking more about mental health mm. and not necessarily focus on the challenge. But, like, why did you decide to take it on and, like, yeah, just explain what it was? So, yeah, I'll, st- I'll start by explaining what it was. So, I cycled the length of the UK, Land's End, Sojourno Groats, um, on a single-speed bike. Mental. So, yeah, with one gear in the space of 12 days. Um, so, that's, yeah, that's the strap line. That's the challenge. And boiling down. So, yeah, I, the reason I picked 12 days was because it was two days less than... They generally plan the tours right. for people to do. So like if you were going to go out with a group of mates and do the jog, they gen- they generally plan it over 14 days. Um, and then also the single speed was to try and make it harder. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't hard enough already. You had to just do it on a single speed bike. And for the people that don't know, like me, um, that don't know anything about bikes, what is the difference between like a single speed bike and a bike that people would normally do Land's End to John O'Groats on? So yeah, the, the bikes that people, I mean, even if you've got an old bike, they've got 10, 11 years and the new bikes have upwards of 20, 22. Mad. Um, the, and yeah, so they have such an array, array of options um, to pick from when they're going up the hill, down the hill, on the flats, even if there's a little bit of a roller, you switch gear, you're still in that comfortable cadence. Whereas I only had one, one of the middle ones. I mean, if you're listening and you're into bikes, I had 44 teeth on the front cog and 18 on the back. So it was a 2.44 ratio. I did all my training on a slightly harder ratio, um, but all of that training was in Oxfordshire. So it was quite flat and then switched to that slightly easier ratio a couple of weeks before the challenge and my legs were ready for it, which was amazing. Um, but yeah, so, uh, lost train of thought. Yeah, no, it's like, well, so obviously that was the challenge, mm. and then so then why why that one? Why did you choose to take on that challenge and associate it to loose heads? Because I know obviously we're both ambassadors for as part of the academy for loose heads, so it's something that I know that we both you know believe strongly in. Um, but why did you kind of associate the challenge with with loose heads? Um, oh, I think actually, so most of it was the fact that. When I started thinking about and like the inception of this challenge back in December, January, I started thinking about the metaphor, like because I was on a single speed and I was already doing the training on single speed back then, I started thinking about the metaphor that and the metaphors of life that I could link this to. Because I was like, oh, okay, I, I want to do this challenge and I'm going to do it on the single speed. And, like, and then I started thinking about going on bike rides and 
the uphills and the downhills and the sunny days and the bad days and thinking about those metaphors and then how they could be likened to mental health like thinking about slogging uphill on a single speed on a day when like on a dark day but then rolling down a sunny hill like not pedaling at all just really enjoying the views so just thinking about how you can liken those very cliche but also strong metaphors for yep. like moments of mental yeah, health um, and also fortunately for me like I don't have any charities that I have strong emotional ties to quite lucky in that like not lost anyone to anything for the, for any particular reason so Looseheads was a charity that I was already involved in at that time and mental health is really really important conversation and just getting more and more conversation out there about mental health and its combination it's like when you combine it with physical health so it was kind of like the benefits of what I'm doing and the fact that everyone can do some sort of physical activity to improve their mental health but also trying to put myself in bad to hard situations to see where my mind went and be able to talk about it yeah I love that no it's cool and I think it's it's definitely helped to progress and raise awareness for that mental health um, conversation. I think, I think when you're in, when you're in and around, you know that space. You know where you're. I, I'm sure we follow a lot of stuff on social media that's very linked with mental health. You're having conversations with people that are like-minded who are also are very wary of it. But, and and I think in general, I think among our generation, we feel like it's something that's getting a lot better. But there are still this, you know, the conversation is still way behind where it needs to be, I think. And there's still so much work to do. I think we forget that a lot. And as much as, you know, the loose heads chat is full of fantastic people who are spreading the, the you know, great message around their particular rugby clubs and whoever they're involved in their community. There is still so many people who don't recognize it as a real thing, who still put it down to, you know, other things, you know, the very old fashioned views like, Oh, you just, like lazy or just down in the dumps or you know you stop being moody yeah all, all this kind of stuff and just really tarnishing it with quite a negative brush when people do encounter negative mental health so I suppose it is like to take to do something like that it will really promote it to the forefront and help to you know stimulate some good conversation around it I guess all along your travels I think you met quite a lot of people so I'm guessing you were having a lot of those conversations all yeah the time. it was great to also have those conversations the length of the UK speak to people I was staying with mm. people I stopped sort like saw on my cafe stops on the way but also like the hundred or so people that donated the fact that they they knew they were donating to a mental health charity and they knew me and they knew the challenge and they hopefully they'll have a conversation with one other person about it it was just getting the conversation further out there and obviously raising money for loose heads to be able to support them in what they do but starting conversations about it like my grandparents donated which means they had to think about what they were donating for. And even that is a step in the right direction because yeah. their generation is the worst. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then also, yeah, dropping down a generation to my parents' generation, they're the journalists of their age that are asking the questions to the sorts of people like Simone Biles and um, tennis player whose name just completely escaped me, Osaka, Naomi yep. Osaka, yeah, yeah, yeah. all that sort of stuff that's been in the press recently. As you were saying, there's so much still to do in the world of sport and outside of the world of sport when we're responding to people that to someone in in the know or even like just remotely in the know that's experiencing lower mental health most people of the older generations treat that as yeah anything but mental health yeah yeah absolutely i think as well when you think about people donating to the cause um it's a bit of a departure away from traditional charities and and how you're supporting 
because usually it would lead to something tangible uh, but but it would be very difficult to quantify what would be a success in the mental health space at the moment because i think i think it's just about at the moment it's putting it more on people's radar eventually it would be fantastic for the government to put more funding into mental health space in terms of the nhs and the services that are put on because I know people that have been on waiting lists and waiting to speak to a psychologist for months, if not years. And that is like, well, well, for one of a better word, but it is crazy because it, you know, it can't wait. Some people cannot wait that long to to see treatment. Yeah, well, exactly. To, to see that treatment. So it needs to be put more urgently on the agenda, but Mm. it is a departure away and and it would be interesting, obviously, you know, the continued support of, you know, charities just off the top of my head like loose heads mind calm how far we can really progress this conversation and hopefully um you know hopefully it will, it will start to snowball even more and more than it has done and um and lead to some great stuff but mate like what i mean so now that you've completed the challenge we can say like what a fantastic effort obviously i'm massively proud of you everyone that supported you is proud of you um do you know the total that was raised in the end currently it's that it hasn't closed yet it's like three thousand four hundred thirty. yeah mad respect that's that is absolutely class absolutely class so we'll, we'll wind it back again so you decided to take on this challenge and now we know the reason why then you're like right shit i've actually got to train for this thing um and you, I know you've been massively into your fitness, especially since COVID and lockdown hit. You took on like Burn With Buddy and all that bit of brilliant stuff that like I absolutely love seeing on social media. Um, and I know you've been a keen cyclist for a little while, but you never took it to like the levels that you've had to take it. So when you first started planning out your training, what was the thought process? Did you kind of like seek advice? Did you just go you know what, I'm just going to tear into it and make it up as I go along. Like, what What was your thinking in terms of, this is how I'm going to train for it? Well, I guess the, the thought process started pretty much straight after I called my mate Will and, and spoke about the challenge. And then he, he was like, yeah, let's do it. And by let's do it, he was like, I support you. You're the yeah. only person that was going to give me the energy back that I needed when I was deciding whether or not to do it. Pretty much for the days after that, when I was living at my mum's, going for cycles on the single speed because it was the only bike I had at the time it's just like I just need to do this as much as possible mm. so then I moved back to Liverpool so in quick response to your question it was a wing it situation <laughs> I'd never really for the whole duration of my training had any sort of plan it was just be out on a bike as much as possible and that is about it that's awesome because I think I mean, I, I'm sure there's probably like, you know, if S&C coaches would listen to yeah. that, they're probably thinking, no, <laughs> because there's a lot of priming of your body. I'm sure that, I mean, you would have experienced during the uh, during the journey and I'm sure you'll get into it in terms of, okay, these are the things that maybe I wish I'd done a I mean, little bit more. I mean, there's a, I did lower, so I'm the sort of person that when I get into a sport, I get into it in yeah. every aspect. So I knew there's a lot of things I did know that you sat like amateur cyclists or like people early into the cycling world may not know but I knew that every before every ride I needed to pre-activate my glutes like warm up mm. self-massage all that sort of stuff like warming into warming up and then making sure for the first 10 15 20 minutes I was going easy and that was on training days as well as during the challenge um and also yeah so I, I mean I've done marathon training before long bike ride training before so like I've got those structures in the back of my mind so I knew that when I was training over summer like the training ramped up 
I was cycling 40 kilometers to work and 40 kilometers back, but then I would do a, a hill rep day one day and a sprint day another day and then take two days off and then do two days back to back when I was back in London. So I had little enough snippets of information that wasn't like full wing it, but because of all of my sports knowledge, like from when I was a child, everything yeah. that I've ever done in the sports world, I've pieced that together enough to be able to create a very rough but plan in my head. And I was doing yoga for the first quarter of this year. What year is it? 2021? Yeah, that's... Yeah. It's felt like a weird um, morph of two years. Yeah, something. so for the first quarter of 2021, I was doing yoga every single day. So my, yeah, my flexibility and mobility is, is the best it's ever been. Wow. Um, I stopped doing it as much because it was actually stressing me out. I was enjoying it doing it every day and then it got to the point where I was like, oh, it got to 8, 9pm and I was like, oh, I haven't done my yoga today. So I started then doing it for enjoyment, so it was more like once a week, twice nice. a week. Um, yeah. But yeah, so mobility is obviously super important. Yeah, I suppose with that, I mean, I don't know enough about it, but you can build yourself up to a level of flexibility where it then, I suppose it comes a, it, it becomes a little bit more about maintenance rather than having to like that you break your body to get to the point where you're like flexible and, and your muscles are in a good good enough state, but you can then do it only like once or twice a week if needs be, because it's then just about that maintenance and making sure you've got still some momentum carrying into your training. So no, that's awesome. And so during your training journey, then was there moments during it where you were kind of thinking, oh, it was difficult to motivate yourself. You, know, you kind of thinking, oh, I just do not want to, uh, I suppose English weather um, as everyone knows, is the most fluctuating thing ever. And sometimes you can be anticipating some great weather. So you're like, yes, I'm going to go out on a bike ride. And it starts tipping your brain. Were there moments where you're kind of thinking, oh, what am I doing? Absolutely, mate. There were definitely those days. Um, I think one of the reasons why, again, I had such a hard come down was because I, like, I just had, it was more like I had to do it because I've given myself this end game. And I, I know I have to get there and there's only one way to get there and it's just to keep training. Yeah. So even the days when I woke up, I was like, oh, it's raining, I can't, but I have to do it. There was no, there was about 10, set, 10 15 seconds of like, I don't want to do it. Uh, yeah. And then it's like, no, you need to get up and do this, otherwise you won't make it to the finish line. And that like I that, that was a, not an option for me. Like there was no way I was not going to finish this challenge. Yeah, and having known you, I think that was never going to be an option, but you have that pressure, especially you know attaching yourself to a charity so you have that accountability to them you've got all the stuff on social media which means that all the eyes are on you uh and and i suppose it's it's kind of like you've got to do this now is you have that it's kind of like the pressure of failure or like i draw a parallel to when you're at like university or at school you've got some homework that has a deadline um like it's got to be done at some point so is like do you work under that was that kind of like the motivator for you like that negative like yeah fear, fear of failure constant stress and fear of failure <laughs> it's, it's pretty mad but I, I i had to put myself through that to be able to do it which is mental but yeah like social media was a massive stress like yeah. actually get linked to the charity like but i may never have been able to do the challenge without those yeah i was just thinking like as you were talking in my head like a lot of people do do lands entered on a groats without any charity fanfare like social media um content and they just get it done they geared or geared bike or not they just yeah. get it done um but i think to be able to do the challenge i needed that external pressure um and that's i guess a lot of 
I have that in a lot of walks of my life. Like I need a little bit of external pressure to be able to do things. Yeah, I think it's healthy. I think that's healthy. A little bit of stress. Yeah, to have that. I think because otherwise then you, I think you do need that little bit of a driver, that external pressure coming because it can be difficult to constantly having to motivate yourself with a lot of things. So sometimes it is useful to have that external like pressure or a little boost from somewhere. So I'd agree with that. And then, so yeah, it, let's let's wind it back to you're in the middle of your training like what's a typical day in the life of if you if you're thinking like this is going to be a heavy training day from like the nutrition you know when you're waking up and when you're getting all your stuff done obviously you're you know in a job as well so that you've got to factor that in so what did what did the training day look like it was pretty savage nine weeks of summer actually because i was working four days a week for my architectural mentor um full days in oxfordshire so like what nine till five thirty, nine till six or whatever. And um I guess yeah, so and then I had to train alongside those days of work. Um obviously Richard was really supportive with giving me that extra day of the week to rest and recover. But yeah, I'd work Monday to Thursday and I would end up I was living at my friend's Josh's and his girlfriend Una and that was fortunately forty K from the office. Uh, so okay, I so planned nice. myself a 40 kilometer route to the office in the morning, which Jeez. is my commute. So with my old gearing, an hour and 25 in the morning. Um, and then I would just, so yeah, I'd eat four or five Weetabix and a, pro, and a half a protein shake before I went out on the bike. Yeah. And then scran a banana en route to work and then probably eat a bowl of cereal when I got into the office. <laughs> um, and then yeah, fruit and whatnot throughout the day. I'd, yeah, packed lunch or went to Subway and got a foot long. But yeah, it was like two chicken breasts and or like, yeah, two two salmon fillets. It was always double what some people might take into the office for yeah. lunch. Um, but knew I had to refuel for the evening ride. But the big the big days was 75 kilometres home because I'd planned a long route around some of some gorgeous country roads. But yeah, planned a, a long route, 75 kilometres round and did extra hill reps. Because Oxfordshire is notoriously flat in most areas and the length of the UK isn't very yeah, flat in yeah, most areas. Yeah. So, yeah, I had to make sure I was getting enough hill reps in. Um, luckily, it was in the higher gearing. So when I dropped to the lower gearing, only ever so slightly, the higher gearing was 2.75 ratio. And the one I did the challenge on was 2.44. So there's a there's a decent bit of give in that. But and for biking virgins, that is? A difference between changing the gear once on a on a bike so like right. yeah it's flicking between two different cogs on the back that's that's the difference between those two cool I'm um, but yeah so yeah the big the biggest days were still not huge still only like probably just shy of the days i was doing on the challenge sure. but obviously i've had the had to factor in a full working day which yeah. was actually probably really good for my training was that, that i had to switch myself on get my brain into gear and do a full working day after riding 40 kilometers and then still do another 40 to 75 on the way home yeah and that, it's very mentally fatiguing in that way but you need that mental resilience right because i think well most of the journey apart from a couple of legs i think you did just on your own and that in itself is incredibly like you need, you need that mental resilience to just keep yourself going and when you're in the middle of nowhere just be like no i need to keep cycling yeah that was they, they yeah just keep going that and I think that really helped me actually having nine weeks worth of work and training that was there was no specificity of either like I didn't just do nine weeks of work and then train before and after that and I didn't just do nine weeks of training I had to 
really, even though it was not planned mm. meticulously. I had to plan it every day and think about it every day in my head. So yeah, um, that was those were the biggest days. And then nutrition, it was just just eat, eat as much as possible. And the top kind of priorities for like the kind of stuff you were eating was just I'm guessing just energy recovery. Um yeah, reco- recovery was primary. Um and then yeah, and it slow release energy so that I knew I could get home or get to the <laughs> office. So like yeah, Weetabix. It was it was the Weetabix branded protein Weetabix. So there was an extra bit of protein in there. Sure. Smash some plant milk in that, and then yeah, the banana for the root. Some protein like half a protein shake, um, and that was enough recovery and energy. And then yeah, banana lunchtime was like a couple pieces of fruit and like yeah, more carbs and protein. So it was yeah, protein, good fats and carbs. But again, just making sure I was getting as much vitamins and minerals as possible as well. So have an electrolyte drink probably twice a day. Yeah. And just make sure. Just, optimizing recovery hydration everything just optimizing everything as much as possible because i knew i needed to yeah all the time yeah it's important because i think well do you know what was um interesting my snc coach uh, talking specifically about hydration but it's just it's so fascinating when you break it down to such a granular level and how nutrition truly impacts our bodies um we're talking about the age preserving your body and he said you think about hydration and what it does, actually hydrating your muscles. You think about steak, like a big juicy piece of steak that's you know hydrated, and beef jerky. Which one's more easy to tear? And I was like, oh yeah. I was like, I will always drink water now any time that I'm training. But yeah. just in general, hydration is so important. But it's just stripping it back to that level. I was like, that makes a lot of sense. And, and then you, when you... when you when you've got that on on your top of your mind and you, you feel, and then also I think that does leak into your subconscious as well because it gives you the confidence when you're training that you're like no no I've prepped so I'm going to be absolutely fine doing this yeah. so it gives you that so were there during your training months was there any like hairy moments that you had or was it pretty pretty plain sailing there were a few hairy moments a few interesting stories um that I'm um, yeah nothing luckily nothing mentally it was just all physical or mechanical yeah um so the first hairy bit was when i actually got we can swear on this podcast yeah yeah yeah, like i got the shits (laughs) because my immune system was weak because i got my second covid vaccine right and i thought the shits was to do with my second covid vaccine but actually it was because of one of my long rides back um i cycled past a caravan park and if anyone's ever been on a caravan you know that they have a waste disposal unit in the back that collects all the human waste from the toilet in the camp the camper van caravan whatever and most caravan parks have a well-contained wastage unit i don't, like, I don't like when it, i do not like when this story is it's, it's an atrocious story but this is one of the hairiest <laughs> hairiest parts oh, of my no. training um so yeah cycling i was probably about 50k into like the 66 kilometer route home yeah and I cycled through this puddle, like summer's day, so it hadn't rained for days. Cycled through this like massive puddle in the road. And I and I didn't put two and two together at the time. Like I was cycling past a camper van, caravan park, cycled through a massive puddle, trickling down the road. Didn't didn't think anything at the time, so the puddle had splashed onto my water bottle. <laughs> for, the, for the last 16 kilometres of the ride proceeded to drink everything in, in my water bottle, essentially licking feces off the, the, the tip of my water bottle. Oh, no. 
but didn't work out because as I went to the doctors, I did stool samples. Um, they were like, no one's had this in response to the COVID vaccine. Like these yeah. are big blood tests, yeah. stool samples, everything. Like ha- had loads of calls with different GPs and they were like, I mean, norovirus has been going around, but this isn't it. It's not just normal food poisoning. Like no idea what it is. Oh, Can you, do you have any idea what it could be? And I had no idea until I was better back working. And then I did the long ride again home. Added this was when it became seventy five k because I did extra hill reps. Um, I realised again decent warm day, yeah. fairly late but decent warm day. Um, did the extra hill reps, got to yeah, so it was about fifty five sixty k in at this point. Went past the same caravan park, road still wet. Went through the puddle, it got on my bike and my bottom and my legs, and then it hit me. I was like. <laughs> I have just ridden through shit, essentially. <laughs> and then I couldn't... I mean, luckily I worked it out, but I didn't use that bottle for the rest of that ride. No. Because I had worked out why I'd just got the shit. So yeah. then, yeah, it all made sense to me. I was just essentially laughing at myself, like, this is absolutely ridiculous. I can't wait to tell everyone how like how yeah. I actually got it. I mean, it's disgusting. But <laughs> that, is, that is some story, mate. But, but then... Yeah. That that on on that same ride, my front brake also just snaps into, into pieces, oh, and I had no lights, oh, so that was like excellent. No water for the last fifteen kilometers, no lights. I'd done extra hill reps, so it was darker and one brake. That Jeez. was the hairiest day of my training. Realizing that I'd got the shits from licking shit, yeah. and then having to do the last fifteen kilometers with no water, lights, or front brake. Oh, so you still kept on cycling? I had just to. with the. I was fifteen in the middle of the away from my end game. I had. I could have messaged Josh to say, "Can you come and pick me up?" But I wanted to finish the ride. And yeah. It, it, I kept saying to myself, "Like it's not too bad. It's not too bad." Like I've been eating my carrots, but I could <laughs> barely see. Like the last five kilometers, I had to use my phone torch to oh, see the road in front of me. Wow. Um. Luckily, I've got a few reflective bits on the back of my like jersey and yeah, my helmet, yeah. but no actual lights. <sighs> Yeah, so that was the those were the hairiest moments of my training. That is mad. That is absolutely mad. I oh, actually, that's that. a complete lie. I also got knocked off my bike. Right. Okay. Now explain. <laughs> On a really casual training ride out through Surrey. Um, yeah, I completely forgot about that. <laughs> I've got the, <laughs> just a casual scab to show it as well. A little bit of road rash. Oh, nice. Um, Jeez. Luckily, that was all that happened. I could have completely ruined my challenge and never been able to do it. So yeah, on a pretty casual weekend training ride out for Surrey, went through Richmond Park, met my friend Selena, who did day three with me um, from Exeter to Bath. Just rolling out through Surrey, pretty casual, stopped at a coffee shop um, fairly early into the ride. I, already, I think it was 15k and I already had cake and a coffee because right. why not? Yeah. Um, rolling back out, going through Isha, there's a junction where there are two lanes going forward and two and a half, like two lanes, but then it splits to three going up round to the left but then they go they cross back over the road um and i was as a cyclist should be like on the left hand side of the lane i'm intending to use not not in a very commanding position in that lane like i can admit but still in that lane not indicating to go left motioning to go straight right and some guy behind me clearly couldn't wait two extra seconds to take that the final left lane up and round, so it came round the front of me, oh, man. clipped my front wheel, like, luckily, no heavy contact, but uh, m- clipped my front wheel the tiniest amount, but that meant my bike went underneath me, Yeah, 
I hit the road. Luckily, no helmet, nothing, no head hit the road. It's just just your my arm. arm. Apparently, according to Selena, I just bounced off the tarmac because I was in the middle of the road. I yeah. knew like my like fight or flight kicked in. I bounced off the road. That was all. I had no injury on my leg. My bike was completely fine because I bounced, caught my bike. I was in a complete state of shock. I was yeah, shaking. I, I was like, I need to get off the road. Jeez. Um, so I'm like, my sunglasses flew into the road. My bottle flew into the road. But everyone behind stopped, picked some stuff up, helped me carry it to the side of the road. The guy stopped further up ahead. He said that uh, his excuse was that he thought I was turning left, but I hadn't indicated or even length or motioned or made it clear that I was going left. I was going straight, but he was clearly just couldn't wait. But I was fortunately fine. Did you, did you have words or were you like... It's, no, you're too, I, you're too nice, man. Yeah, no, you're, too, you're too nice. I was to just do like, that. it's fine. Like, it's fine. You know, could have died. Certainly, it's fine. No, it's fine, mate. It's fine. fine. Yeah, could have not been able to do my challenge. Yeah. broken a collarbone, yeah. hip, whatever. Yeah. But just, just ruin it. But yeah, yeah. Anyway, I was, I but was no, it's okay. fine. <laughs> no, um, do you know what? I wanted to know more about your training journey because I think from face value, people can just see the the actual, you know, journey itself and think about that challenge bit. But actually, the training is also like half the challenge itself because it takes you such a a long time to build yourself up to that point. And then, like you said, you've um, you've come under like hardship and well, you know, those hairy encounters. People don't actually know about that. So yeah, I'm just I just grabbed my phone because I'm looking at how many kilometers I've done this year. But yeah, I, even though I did what fifteen hundred, just over fifty. Just shy of a thousand miles. It's like nine hundred and sixty miles in total. So wow. like fifteen hundred and sixty-five kilometers or something. I'd also put on that bike in the nine months prior almost three thousand kilometers on like in training on that wow. bike. So like wow. yeah, it, it seems I didn't put all of that up. And like, if you follow me on Strava, you'd be able to see it. But also, everyone and everyone else is doing so much activity on there. Yeah, it just gets lost in the wash. But yeah, I've done thousands of kilometers on that bike this year awesome. to ensure that i can do the challenge that's that oh mate it's, it's awesome and so i mean before we get on to the actual challenge itself like your perception of cycling now like I, i'm guessing your respect for cyclists in general has just gone up massively but would you say completely hooked will never like never stop cycling or is it i can't yeah i can't see myself stopping yeah. cycling i mean i I've had bikes, been cycling for years. I used to BMX when I was younger. I've had yeah. multiple mountain bikes. My dad, very grateful for my dad, the reason why I'm into cycling now. Um, he used to have, still has road bikes, also wants to do this challenge with his friends next year mm-hmm. on geared bikes. But yeah, he supported me for two of the days. On geared bikes? Pussy. Yeah, man, absolute, absolute wet one. <laughs> Nick, if you've made it this far into the podcast, <laughs> you're a wet one. <laughs> Um, but yeah, wants to do it with his mates on a geared bike. Um, but yeah, he's the reason I'm so into cycling, and all, and then also all the friends that I've made through cycling in London. But I cannot see myself. I mean, I want I want to get a tattoo of my bike that I did it on on cool. the back of my under my tricep in, in like in in memory, but like to yeah. commemorate doing. This you challenge. could do like a little line through the bike, like the the line that you took. I considered from, yeah doing cool. a very faint like yeah. thin line of the route that I, I could took. see that. Definitely yeah, considered that, doing that, that. That's very cool, man. Yeah. No, that's good. And uh, well, I mean, we can go on to a bit, you know, at the end about anything potentially in the future that you might like to do. But so before we go on to the challenge, what was the? Because I saw a lot of it coming from Lucid's in particular, but what was the support like in the build up to the challenge in terms of like the 
the stuff that was coming your way in terms of like messages and you know all the kind of kit that you got supplied with obviously with, with loose hairs like what what was that like because i think well i think it's probably quite overwhelming in a, in a way um because there's a lot of noise being made but yeah well, i mean more social media than i've ever had to do in my life yeah um, and it was it was fun but it was also stressful mm. and uh, yeah mate i don't like not answering people so the stress of answering people and like i've still got unread messages not from the challenge but like i'm still getting back into a normal relationship with my phone and yeah. social media now that I've, I, there are days where i just don't re- reply to people because it, it so it was so stressful yeah so then the next day like when i had downtime i was replying to 18 people on like instagram or strava or like facebook it's too or, much isn't like it? whatsapp that yeah. people that have my number but yeah so yeah, I mean, it, it was amazing and a lot of the conversations were great, but it was, yeah, an added draining. stress and draining yeah. and like, that, again, apologies to anyone that I didn't respond to or I still am not responding to because I'm getting back into a normal working relationship with my phone. Um, but yeah, it was, it was tiring, but the support from Looseheads was great. Um, unfortunately, never got the uh, actual custom jerseys, so shout out to joey who made me custom jerseys down in exeter wow. for when i got there That's which awesome. was um yeah really great but yeah because of lead time and um pandemic and also oh, yeah there were custom there were custom jerseys through a company um and they unfortunately never came so yeah that that was unfortunate but loose heads were really great in supporting me and we planned a lot as we'll probably end up talking about um like people meeting up on the way yeah yeah um and yeah just like great support actually helping me pay for some of the hostels on the on the route mm-hmm. um yeah so really really good support along the way no that's brilliant man and yeah like you said this challenge not only was great in terms of progressing the the kind of conversation about mental health but it also brought together a lot of people and i think you met a lot of people for the first time on route um loose heads academy members but i'm sure lots of others as well which must have been a really cool experience because I know you're a social guy you like meeting people you're a friendly face but that must have been really cool for you yeah I mean I love meeting new people um hum- other humans is where I get my energy from definitely an extrovert and my yeah my recharge is with other people um don't really spend much time on my own I only really need a day alone maybe once every three weeks yeah other than that yeah love other people so meeting new people was amazing telling my story hearing theirs was great also the fact that this was the this is the biggest travel traveling type thing i've ever done in my life the biggest adventure yeah so i never really had a huge traveling influence as a kid so i've not and i missed out on my euro trip at school because i had glandular fever oh man yeah, so yeah sucks. this is the biggest like first time i've ever booked myself a hostel the longest time i've been on holiday other than family holidays when i was a kid since and yeah just an amazing experience bring coming together of people stories i heard places i saw people i got to meet was yeah all of those things were just uh, made that challenge even more memorable and even brilliant. more amazing. That's really cool, man. Look, eye-opening in lots of different ways. Um, so let's then start at the beginning of the journey, which was Land's End. Um, well, not quite. Well, yeah, not quite. Well, well, where was it? Penzance. Penzance. Okay. And I didn't get a ta- and I didn't get a taxi to the start line, so I cycled to the start line. <laughs> so you did, you did an extra the jog class. Yeah, excellent. Um, but yeah, I think you were quite underwhelmed by Land's End, were you? Uh, from what you told me, because didn't they try and make you pay to have a Oh, well, you have to pay, yeah, it's ridiculous. So you don't have to, John O'Groats. No, of course not. That's just the, like English Scots versus Scottish mentality. Yeah. It's just bloody ridiculous. But it's just a, 
I mean, I've been to John O'Groats. I mean, I drove there because uh, <laughs> I am lazy. Um, but it's kind of just like signpost and then loads of touristy bits. Is that the same? In both, exactly at both ends. Oh, really? Like a couple of, couple of huts, maybe a, a hotel nearby, maybe a pub just down the road. But yeah, very minimal infrastructure. One road, two roads that lead to the tip. Yeah. Um, pretty uninspiring in almost every way apart from, <laughs> apart from the fact that there's I mean the towns around I'm not talking about those I'm talking about the specific location of where yeah. the tip of England the tip of Scotland is yeah you do expect it to be a bit grand don't you, you do like golden arches yeah like, a little bit more the fanfare end of England and, and, the, it, and the end of Scotland but I suppose it's quintessentially British which is that it's very understated it's just like a post yeah and then there's some arrow saying New York's that way London's yeah. that way okay and now off you go. Off you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but yeah, it, we have you have to queue up and pay. And at whatever time I got there in the morning, I think it was like eight forty-five, nine. Actually, maybe slightly later because I had to cycle from Penzance. Yeah. Maybe nine thirty. There was already a queue of like fifteen people, and I got there. A lovely. I chatted to a lovely family. They took a picture with me with the sign in the background, but there was no way I was queuing up to get a picture nah, next to the nah, sign. No, no, I think so. You're right. And pay what twelve, fifteen pounds. To have this photo taken and just like get colder, get like wait longer. Yeah, nah, that's I think that's probably that was the most. I made decisions like that along the way. Like I was, I kind of just took random pictures for myself. Yeah. Or spoke to people that were were happy to take pictures of me if I could take pictures of them at specific landmarks. But yeah, I was never gonna pay fifteen pounds to take a picture. I know what I'm doing. Everyone knows what I'm doing. I have the memories. I've got pictures of the area and yeah, but I don't need to. Nah, but personally, yeah, if you. Well, photos are supposed to be um, capturing a moment uh, or like a memory that, you know, a fondness that you've visited somewhere and now you want to remember it. Land's End, for me, <laughs> the, the way you described it didn't sound that memorable. So I don't, think, I don't think you missed out. No, yeah, the conversation with the family was more memorable. It's quite yeah. funny. The, the husband also wanted to take a picture of himself with my bike to, to like pretend to his friends that he was about to set off on the journey. And it was like, I much... It more I, like I'd rather enjoy they do that yeah. and I really enjoyed that sort of interaction yeah. than yeah, queuing up with strangers and getting some official official to take a picture of me and not having any like interaction mm. about the challenge or about like what I'm doing so yeah no, I, I I remember that moment much more than I would just queuing up for the sign of course so the first day you set off what what are you feeling when you first get into it are you like absolutely buzzing or are you thinking oh no this is going to be super long if i'm honest i actually didn't feel like i'd started until leaving penzance for the second time right because it was i was actually stressed i was meant to be meeting cornish pirates mm. after tra- or like in between some training sessions on the morning of the first day but obviously i had to leave penzance um so i got myself ready in my airbnb cycle like checked the route and I was like oh shit it's actually gonna take me longer than I expect so gassed it didn't didn't warm up enough absolutely gunned it down to land's end to start I think it was about 16 kilometers and did it really quickly and then I got there I was like okay I need to take a picture and turn around like I didn't have I just got to go so it was a good warm-up but then I've got a picture send my live location to my group and then go turn turn back around and did the exact same route back that I'd just done and then found Pirate Stadium. So by this time, I'd done like almost 35 kilometers yep. and like almost 400 meters of elevation. But I didn't feel it because I was just stressed. Oh, I yeah. needed to get, I need to get to Cornish Pirates, but I also need to start first. So Pen, I was in Penzance, but I needed to go down to Land's End to come back. Long. Sorry. Yeah, Land's End yeah, to come yeah. back. Calm, slowed down, waited for the Pirates to finish training, 
had a chat with the forwards, got some pictures, it was a great photo op, um, and a great chance to talk about the charity, meet some of the friends of the charity. Yeah. Um, actually met the CEO of Pirates and like oh wow S- SNC coaches. Brilliant. Everyone. Yeah, it was really good fun. And then when I was rolling out of there, I felt like I I was starting the day. Sure. Um. Because you kind of got that, like, that, that's that out of the way. Okay, yeah. now I can go. Cause you, yeah. yeah. And then the stress was almost, yeah, gone from there. Yeah, and then that was new roads from there. And that, that was kind of like the start. I wasn't doubling back on myself. I wasn't stressed about getting to a, a place at a time. And then I started the day. Um, and yeah, day one wasn't too long or too hilly. One of the biggest problems was just took too long of breaks. Right. Because um, luckily enough, again, um, I had another stop in Hale, which was only, a, like, 20 kilometers away from Penzance for lunch. I was meeting my friend Connor and my um, a friend Dean bought lunch for me from afar because um, oh, nice. he knew I was swinging by. So that was great. It was a gorgeous place to stop. Had loads of food, but that was already too... Like the, the pirate stop was... I mean, so yeah, the stop at Land's End was maybe at 15, 20 minutes and then the stop at Pirates was at least 40. Lunch was 45 an hour. So like just eating into my day... The longest days were the days where I had the photo ops or were meeting yeah. people or were chatting to people. Because you feel obliged. Yeah. I guess you felt obliged to have those conversations. Uh, yeah, and, especially as the and that knows I am. The, yeah, because you like, you like people. But yeah. then uh, there's another bit of you that's probably like, I need to go. I need to get on. Yeah. I, my legs are seizing up and yeah. I want to finish before it gets dark. Um, so yeah, yeah left left hail. And then it was, that was largely it until I got to Wade Bridge where I was put up by my mate Tom and his parents place which is a lovely place his mate had left a massive pasta and garlic bread for me class um and yeah managed to walk around hell get some snacks get some food for breakfast and yeah luckily had an early night but i finished later than most days because of the 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 long stops yeah yeah so yeah that was day one um day two day two wade bridge to exeter um was my hilliest day on the challenge, but it didn't well, feel even like, the, like the Highlands. Of, uh, yeah, oh, really? yeah. That's there cool. were there were steeper hills in the Highlands. Right. There were more savage, but just hills. more. But in terms of the yeah, the actual amount of elevation I ended up doing on day two, that was the highest number. I'm mad. On the challenge, but it didn't feel like it because it was day two, so I was still pumping that early adrenaline. Yeah. Got Sun was out. In the legs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I still yeah. had the energy in the legs. I had a cracking breakfast that morning. Great night's sleep. Yeah, it was day two, so it was early doors. Yeah. I was fully prepared for all of that, um, um, but it didn't feel like it because it was the go- it was gorgeous and it was rolling all day. So I'd go up a hill, look at some gorgeous scenery, then power down at 50, 60, 70 kilometers an hour, and then kick back up another hill, twist, turn, make some turns, stop for some food, enjoy the scenery. Just yeah, it was just rolling hills, nice. twisting, quit twisting corners. So that was. Interesting. It didn't feel making it all sound too nice at the moment, mate. <laughs> making yeah, it sound like a breeze. <laughs> I w- I did. I was saying this to a lot of people, especially my girlfriend, who was very supportive for the whole thing. But I am. Um, I was saying that I need to make as much of this feel like a holiday for my for my mentality. Yeah. Like I need to enjoy as much as possible. Like smile into the hills, get to the top, take it all in, take a breath of that fresh air. Like do everything I can to keep my mentality up and through the roof as much as possible oh, massively because if you can if you start letting the little challenges become too much in your mind uh and then you finally get over it 
the, the next time one comes, it becomes even bigger in your head. Yeah. And then you start to, I suppose you start doubting yourself and things like that. And it goes back to, I think, you know about Goggins, don't you, David Goggins? Love that. And I remember he, I think when he was working with Jesse Itzler, he was talking about, he was running in a tank top in freezing weather where Jesse was like in hat, gloves, like two jumpers, all this kind of stuff. And he was like, how are you doing that? And he said, mate, in my head, it's 23 and sunny. And I was like, I love that. That's my favourite. It's then, hard, but yeah. it's, oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's possible. Oh, massively it's hard. Possible. And the, but that's, that's the whole bit about building up your mental re- resiliency to the point where you can think yeah. that. But I had a couple of moments in pre-season that were like that, where I'm like, nah, I'm just gunning it. Like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Like, I wasn't fine. But if you believe enough that you're fine and you keep telling yourself enough that you're mm. fine, then your body will go further for you. Yeah. So you just got to kind of drill it into yourself. And I suppose it's like that repetition, like, 23 and sunny, 23 and sunny, like all the time, yeah. then you'll start to believe it, I guess. Yeah, and in that in that same vein, I told myself that I enjoyed the hills. And I actually do, I did like the challenges. I did like the hills because the flat was actually what was boring. Yeah. And I'll get onto that more so, especially when I get to the middle of the challenge and get to the Midlands. But the flats were the worst. The times where I didn't have turns to do or hills to tackle or views to see, they were the worst bits. So actually rolling hills chopping and changing, taking turns, seeing amazing views, dipping down under some trees, like that was the best. So day two, luckily, being the most elevation, felt like a dream because it was all rolling hills and it was all interesting and, yeah, didn't need any music, didn't need music once. couple of savage hills where I was down at like three kilometres an hour fighting the bike, but Jeez, that is... I knew I could see the end. Yeah, They were just pretty straight hills up and down could see the top so i'm just like i've got to get there i've got to get there i've got to get there just keep going just keep digging just keep just keep going and all the while by the way everyone you have to remember this is on a single speed bloody bike right so we're not talking about him doing three kilometers at with like a normal you know geared bike it's a single speed bloody bike and we're crawling up these hills that is going to be your quads are screaming they are absolutely screaming so that mate that is absolutely class and then over the next i suppose so Take us through like the next few days. Like, what were a few of your highlights? Like, some of the so, most yeah, memorable. So yeah, Bath was actually, and I had a, I had this is interesting because I had some support. I had Selena from Run Club, mm-hmm. um, Pure Sport Run Club, the guys who also saved me in terms of recovery. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So Selena came along with me, and it's interesting that I had one of the worst moments of those first three four days with company. We both found it, and we it was a forty k flat. And it was just the fact that we had a crosswind. We had no Ooh. turns to make. The road quality wasn't too great. Slightly cold. But yeah, it was just like, we actually, both of us got into like dark mental places and started to bonk, they call it in the cycling world, but basically just like getting knackered and feeling like you've got no energy in your legs. Um, we both started to get to that place even though we had each other as support, yeah. it didn't feel like it didn't feel like it. We were just on this most mundane stretch of road, 40 kilometers flat, sidewind, like no inspiring scenery. It just got we got really into a dark space. And Especially when you feel like Mother Nature's against you with that sidewind as well, like you absolute bitch is yeah. like beating you up. And I can imagine on a bike that wind makes all the difference when you're doing it hours and it like doing yeah. tens and tens of kilometers and there was like, yeah there was no turn to think about or hill to conquer it was just constant wow. slog at the same pace 
with the wind, waiting for the turn, thinking about the food, like just the, everything just started. It felt like everything was against you, even though like I had someone to turn to and talk to. That was one of the darkest bits of the first three days. Mad. Um, yeah. Did you? How did you keep going through that? What was the kind of stuff just, that you kept reaffirming to yourself? I just got to keep going. Yeah. I've just got to keep going. Just grind it out. Stop, we stopped. Too. Yeah, I think we stopped twice in that forty kilometer stretch, and both of them were to like eat food. Yeah. Or rehydrate, fill up water bottles. But yeah. But, I bet it just suck suck the energy suck out of you. The energy so hard, like more than fighting my bike up a hill. Right. Um. Yeah, that was th- those were the worst, the most energy sucking moments with the long flats. Not well, not to be cliche as well, but drawing parallels to like the whole mental health part, it is sometimes the unseen, the un like the hidden stuff that's less obvious that is the most effect, you know, effective in terms of destruction on your mental health. Like yeah. you, you might think the hills and like the obvious stuff, and when you draw parallels to how it is in your like in your real life, so like getting fires, breakups, like disastrous stuff, that can all trigger like obviously negative mental health stuff. But it's, it can be sometimes the more subtle stuff, the like stuff that happens over a long period of time that's like consistent, that can do the most damage. So that's, uh, yeah, something I just thought, I don't know whether yeah. you agree. No, I definitely agree with that. Um, that's the thing. And like, also, I think part of it, part of the pain on that day in particular was we still knew we had so much climbing to do at the end of the day. And the further we went on the flat, we were like, shit, it's going to get steeper. Like be, yeah. condensing the, 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 the climbing to even shorter and shorter distance. Yeah. We we're like, what's to come? What's to come? <laughs> yeah. I knew there was going to be a big hill outside of Wells. But actually, again, after the flat finished and we got to Wells and we got out of Wells and I saw this hill and I kept going and I kept going and kept going and I kept enjoying it and I kept turning and there was more hill. <laughs> I bloody enjoyed it after the pain of 40 kilometers of flat. <laughs> She's coming across like a sadist now, mate. Didn't just, I know. I, I, I love the pain. I love, the pain. I love hills. <laughs> yeah, but I, 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 firstly, I had to tell myself that because I knew there were so many more hills to come for the rest of the nine, ten days to go. Yeah. But also, just I did enjoy the challenge and like I just kept slogging up and I kept smiling at myself like, I'm actually doing this. Yeah. Like, just keep going. But those are the going. moments, mate. Those are the moments that you look back on and that, that's like a true test of your character mm. and actually what are you about as a person? Are you going to relish those chances and relish those opportunities to test yourself in that kind of environment? Or are you just going to just, you know, not enjoy the pain almost? I know it sounds like to a lot of people that will sound like a weird concept to enjoy the pain, Mm. but you've got to kind of like earn it in that respect. And yeah, oh, mate, yeah I'm completely on board. I, I know, I know what you mean. I've not been to the same place that you have, but you know, playing rugby, which is quite a physically demanding one. Sometimes you've got to go to like a dark place, yeah. but like while you're in that dark place, just enjoy it. Cause yeah. you might as well. Yeah, for sure. It's awesome. Yeah. So that was one of my favorite parts, actually the hill out of Wells on day three. Um, and then after that, it was pretty like rollers again. Um, Day three ended in Bath at the wreck. Gorgeous stadium around the river. Bath is an amazing place. Um, and my mum came to see me there. So nice. we had, a, had an apartment in the top of one of the, the gorgeous stone buildings. Beautiful. Um, in the middle of the city. Went out for way too much Lebanese food. That was the first. And probably only night I ate too much. But it was it's a big thing because like in terms of rest and recovery... I needed to make sure I was sleeping as quick as possible when I got into bed and as deeply as possible. Yep. But it took, that was the, the probably one of the worst night's sleep I had on the challenge because I'd eaten too much too late. 
Mm. And I was like, yeah, it's fine. I'm going to fuel. I'm going to be fueling myself. I need to recover, blah, 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 blah. But I was just letting myself go in a way because also someone else was paying for the food and, <laughs> and it kept coming. But also, yeah, it ruined, it did, luckily didn't ruin my recovery on my sleep too much, but I, it was a noticeable difference at the start of the next day that I'd slept worse and hadn't recovered as well because I'd eaten too much. It was gorgeous at the time. But yeah, it's trying to sleep with your f- stomach that full. Yeah. It's a bit of a nightmare. So that was a, a big lesson. I hadn't had that experience in any of my training because I never had eaten. I never thought I'd eat, need to eat that much in the training weeks because sure. I wasn't doing as much volume. Um, but yeah, I knew I needed to just eat as much as possible on the actual challenge. And I did. But that was just too late. So then waking up, how are you feeling the next day? Food COVID, food baby? Do you feel a bit like no, lethargic? Just and like mentally like I was a bit cloudy, a bit right. more tired, um, and I needed to do two visits to the bathroom before I left. <laughs> um I feel like we're we're learning lots about you. Yeah. <laughs> lots about you, James. I had to, I had to. Like and that was it from then on. Yeah. I was like I actually that became a ritual. I was like I do my first visit as soon as I get up and then I go again about 10 minutes before I leave because one of the worst feelings is being on the bike and needing to go. Oh, I can imagine. That's that quite an obvious thing that's just on your mind the whole time. Because going for a pee is easy on the bike. Like, is it? I mean, just jump off in like, Oh, any yeah, tree. I guess. I thought you meant while cycling. I mean, like, I don't know. You won't have seen the Tour de France riders, but they, like, you can see on camera. They will just like keep one of their feet clipped in and just like lean into a bush and go and then clip back in and go. Nice. Some days I did that on the like when I was out in the middle of nowhere, but it's generally pretty easy in that respect. But wearing bib shorts to go, uh, you have to essentially get naked to do the other number. <laughs> um, so you really don't want to have to do that whilst you're out on a riding oh, I love day. This. Uh, yeah. Brilliant. Well, yes, yeah, and people, if if you're not a cyclist, it's stuff you just wouldn't yeah, even yeah, consider. you shouldn't really think. I mean. Yeah, again, these are the little bits of niche stuff that, yeah, you look at the challenge overall, you think these are the the most challenging bit is going to be the cycle, the hills, but all these little things you've got to think about, it, mm. it all culminates, I bet it's, it, it, all of it will just be draining on you from a mental or physical capacity to to yeah. some extent, so... No, it's it's well. I'm I'm happy you're telling this, mate. I don't I don't know. Maybe people who've got phobia of they can <laughs> not thanking you so much. But um, so so what? Where are we up to now in terms of daylight approaching halfway point? Day three, mate. Oh, blimey! So, okay, well, I'm a quarter of the way in. I might have to speed it up, but I was a quarter of the way in, and that was the first time I looked at my icon on the map, and I was like, wow, I've actually done something here. Yeah, I mean, I've still got ninety days, and so I was still. Not scared, but like it was still daunting at that point. I was like, okay, I've, I've come far. Like this looks cool. Like to see that my little icon is now in in Bath. Yeah, and it's only been three days. You've made a dent. I've made a decent dent. Yeah. with one gear, and my little icon is there. And now I've got a bloody long way to go. But it did feel that was the first moment I stepped back. I was like, I've actually done something here. Yeah, I've got a long way to go, and I wasn't. I still wasn't. Not that I was ever sure I was going to finish or ever sure I was going to complete it, but until like the last twenty kilometers of the last day. Yeah, but. That was what, like, okay, I've done something, but I still didn't think, like, I could keep, I could finish it because I still had nine days to go. Oh, really? So there was, what... like, that level of doubt cut creeping in? Yeah, like, in a way. Like, I didn't, I didn't, I just didn't know what was to come. You can never fully prepare for something like this. Like, I'd done as much training as I could, yeah. but I'd never done, like, yeah. more than three back-to-back days. So at that point, I was like, yeah, in Oxford, like, I did three back-to-back days, and then I'd take a couple of days off, and then the next training week would come. 
that was there was no option for this. I needed to get back on the bike the next day, um, and then the next day, and the next day for two more, and then seven more days. So yeah. I was like, wow. So I was like, okay, I've trained for this, but then the training effect of being on the challenge starts to kick in at some point. Yeah. So I knew that was going to come. And then, so yeah, Bath. And then the next day was the big rugby day. And that was good fun. So start at Bath, take the canal path to Bristol, which is gorgeous. Meet up with a pure sport and loose heads ambassador to Coach Pratt, who runs higher gym in Bristol, which is good fun. But again, eats into my day. That was half an hour. Yep. Chatting, photo op, and then head off. And then down to Ashton Gate. So this is two stops in one city, down to Ashton Gate. Which is... Bristol's, Bristol Stadium. Yeah, Bristol Bears, yeah. So I'm, I'm adding distance. I could have shaved like 35 kilometres off this mm. day by going but straight rugby, up. so it so has yeah, to be done. Of course. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, went all the way round down to Ashton Gate. Great. Met one of the heads of um, Bristol Sport Charity, um, which is talking about like get like getting sport into um, words uh, escaping me, but less... Schools where the kids have less chance to play sport and yeah. do other active things like that. Yeah, there's um, less like prominent on the agenda. For, yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah, getting sport into those sort of schools and also bringing the mental health aspect into like you can tie feeling better as a person with more active, more active life and also better eating and more hydration. Really? So yeah, met the head of Bristol Sport, got out onto the stadium, photo op, but that was another 45 minutes. Yep. So yeah. So you started to day. sweat a bit more. And then go, yeah, cycle up. And this was one of the worst parts. Once I got out to Bristol, I, they, was Gloucester first? Yeah, so Gris, Bristol to Gloucester was another long, boring flat. It was an A road. So yeah, lorries hammering past me. Yum. Like people not giving me the, the two metre, the, even a metre. Like some people were coming, like felt like their wing mirror was going to click me on the elbow Jeez. and that was going to make me done. Yeah. Um, so that was pretty savage. That was the first time in the four days. So that was the first time I used headphones. Because and also yeah, one thing is I wasn't listening to music this whole time, so I was all all in my own head. What was the reason for that? Partly safety, but also, but also keeping the music for when I needed it the most. Right, keeping that extra motivation, that extra kick for when I needed it. And I had Selena on day three, so day four was the first time I needed something extra in my ear to keep me going. Because I had another thirty forty k flat headwind, like just boring, mundane. Crappy road quality, straight A road, ham cars hammering past me. So that was yeah, that safety was part of the reason, but also saving it for when I needed the energy. Sure. So yeah, and then got to Gloucester Stadium, hadn't fully the guy from Bristol Sport, whose name escapes me now, had called ahead and was like, Oh, speak to this person, they'll be able to get you to the stadium. Went to the reception, that didn't happen. So he was like, Oh, well, hold up, give me a minute. <laughs> And it's more time wasting. <laughs> you feel like the hamstrings are like, yeah. James, we need to go. <laughs> and I was like, but I'm here now and I like, it might only take five more minutes. So I'll go back outside and wait. He ends up calling the financial director of Gloucester, which is a super cool. Yeah. Obviously, so I've got loads of cool numbers in my phone now. Anyway, Just a big dog now. Anyway, big, big but dog. get outside to wait for the financial director to come down. Realise I've got a puncture. So I got a puncture. Ah, shit. So I was absolutely hating the city of Gloucester at this point. Right, yeah. I, it was at the end of a 40 kilometre flat. I've been, faff, I've been faffing around trying to get into the stadium to get a picture in my kit. And then I get a puncture. I, I got a puncture at some point because I, I, I didn't notice it rolling into the stadium. So mm. it was obviously happened in the last short stretch. Yeah. Maybe even happened in the car park. But then, yeah, so I had to change. The first puncture I'd got in four days, which was pretty great. But change a puncture, tired. Yeah. Still knowing I had to get to Worcester to finish the day. Um, 
and then so it got all dirty, washed up, put my bike all back together. It was like fine. Met the financial director. So that that break was at least an hour. Mad. To to stop and it, and it wasn't planned because before I got to Bristol, there was no planned stop. I was going to swing past Gloucester Stadium, take a selfie at the corner, mm. and then head off. But it was kindness of someone else had set me up, but also then meant it was eating another hour into my day. So that was I was actually probably one of the worst days of this day four. Um, and then, yeah, Gloucester to Worcester to finish where I met my dad in a hotel um, and his girlfriend, Danny. We stayed in a hotel in the middle of Worcester. I was meant to meet Ethan Waller, but unfortunately he had to look after his wife and kid. So went out to a rum place, met my dad there for a drink um, and then went to bed. But that was one of the most tiring days because of the stops. Yeah. I never actually went to... Um, Worcester Stadium because it was so the six ways isn't it so far mm. out of the city. I suppose with the with, with the rest that can I mean because it sounds on the surface like a rest would be a good thing but actually it can be quite destructive because and I know like from the past having played you know like rugby tournaments and stuff like that you know even from quite recently when you stop and then your body starts to seize up to then get going again is so difficult because your body your body starts like the lactic acid starts to sit in as well. And it can be quite tight, like it can be quite brutal on yourself to be like to actually kickstart your own body. Like, come on, we need to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that, especially at Gloucester Stadium, like I got to the point at the end of that hour, where I was like, I could just curl up on this grass right now and fall yeah. asleep. Like I wasn't necessarily that tight, but my body had seized up, my mind had seized up in a mm, way. Mm. Um, I was like, I still need to get to Worcester, yeah, Worcester to finish the day and like get into my bed and re- like charge everything up like there's i could sure. i cannot just stop here yeah. i've got to get to the place that's booked to like yeah wash wash my kit charge everything up again for the next day stretch do my end of day routine and get like eat and get into bed um so yeah the i loved it was that's the thing like, it was double double edged sword like i loved those days where i got to chat to people talk about loose heads talk about their rugby clubs talk about what their life's like but it just ate into my day I can imagine. Yeah. and I didn't feel the problem is you're right I didn't feel the seizing or the tiredness until I stepped back on the bike <laughs> yeah. because I got lost in the conversation and talking about the challenge and whatnot and then I get back onto the bike and the first minute is like oh, oh this sucks oh. <laughs> yeah. and then I have to do that first 5, 10, 15 minutes of slow slow yeah, riding yeah. to warm my body back into it Um. so yeah so then I suppose, then speeding our way up towards Hadrian's Wall, what were your kind of like highlights for the, for the rest of the days going up to like the border? Um, the Midlands were not highlights. <laughs> Too much straight flat. Like yeah. that, unfortunately, that was the problem. Like, brutal. Because I was taking... Not too much wind, but I obviously I've... didn't go to Loughborough because that was the windiest bloody place <laughs> really? in the entire yard. I don't understand. I always, for the rest of time, never understand why somewhere in the middle of the country was as windy as... I... That will irk me for the rest of days. <laughs> but honestly, you've never had such cutting wind. You could have worn like the biggest Arctic coat and it would have still pierced your soul and frozen <laughs> it like the bloody... Anyway, the people from the north in Game of Thrones... Sorry, yeah. rant about Loughborough over. But yeah, so the Midlands was boring, yeah. Unfortunately, the Midlands was boring. The roads weren't great. It was loads of straight flats, not too much interest. Luckily, I had my dad as a saviour those days. So we had two days with my dad from Worcester to Stone, um, which was yeah, fairly short, fairly flat. It was like, well, short and flat. It was like 120 kilometres and like six. Yeah, only, only 120. Just down the road, isn't it? Um, and then the rest day was next, which was great. We managed to finish by late lunch and actually met one of my dad's old schoolmates at Sale FC, who you'll be playing. Yes, we will be playing. At I've some been point. invited to 
watch to go to the lunch before and watch that game when you go up to see sales. Nice. I'll give but, you a Stortford yeah, beanie. You'd have to give me some Stortford stash to wear because because you're only supporting sale. Well, James has given me a set. A set not you, James. That James, who we met, has given me a sale tie. Yeah, no chance. <laughs> it's not. It's not. Happening. So if you've got to give me more Stortford stash to I will. wear, I will. To, I'll beat him to override that beat because yeah. I think he. What does James do? He's fairly high up in sale FC. Listen, I'm the best James you know. Um, <laughs> Apart from myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah, of course. <laughs> but yeah, so that was amazing. Rest day was great. Um, got to sale FC and my girlfriend was there as well. And my dad's girlfriend was there. So that was really lovely. Finished really early. So I had a picnic in the sun. Got to the hotel in Stone. Just yeah, I had a really a long rest and relaxation that day. Um, and then set off for Manchester. Um, no, that's an absolute lie. Stone and then to sail, yeah, and then stayed in Manchester. Um, and then, yeah, my dad parted. Vass and I stayed in Airbnb in sail, had some really good food in Manchester. Manchester's good fun. It's Manchester's like all these banging. artsy it's parts mental. of London smashed together. Yeah. And not too much of the other bits of London. Um, and then the, that was a really, like, Manchester to Kendall was a fairly good day. But then Kendall to across the border to Lockerbie was a really great day. Like knowing I was getting towards the Scottish border, getting mm. towards that, that day was, I was over the halfway point and I was like, yeah, we're, yeah. we're In doing something now. Yeah. Like I'm about to cross the Scottish border. That was really cool. So yeah, that's the, the short run, but yeah, not, unfortunately not too much to report. Sure. But after Bristol until Manchester, apart from, yeah, great some great quick days with my dad which was actually nice just to like yeah. blitz through those days they weren't crazy inspiring in terms of the riding or the views and I didn't have too many too many photo opportunities which was pretty good so it just got through them quickly rested up well ate well and then yeah Manchester was cool but between Bristol and Manchester just tough not, not too much sure and a lot of yeah a lot of flat straights yeah and then Manchester Kendall enjoyable day um, but again, not too much going on. Just got through it. And this, this was the start of like a few days where I just got through them really well. Not too much photo, like no stops. It's mm. just me on the bike, planning my day, getting my food in, getting my water on board, stop when I need to, but keep just keep going. They're actually the worst bits of those days. This And this is when my butt started getting super tired. <laughs> That's so the biggest tired. thing. That's why I, I tried to do, um, what was it, Palace to Palace which was a mere 45 miles, had five punctures, took me five hours. Um, yeah, the worst. I, I mean, one puncture in 12 days. Yeah, I know. It's because I am a heavy gentleman <laughs> and I may have not swerved the potholes when I should have done. Um, but the saddle sore afterwards, I was like, how? How did that? I mean, I have a, you know, I used to have a lot larger bum than I do now because um, that was probably when I was about 10 kilos heavier. But... I was like, mate, and I, this, this is what I was thinking all the way through your challenge. I just couldn't escape. But I was like, how's he doing it on his bum? I was like, that's going to be ruined. Yeah, it? I think so. By halfway, that was that was the most, that was the worst bit of my contact points with the bike. My palms and my, my sit bones yeah. were the worst. Um, so, but again, it was just like. How can you help that though? You can't, right? It's kind of just Self-massage like, at the oh. end of the day, but also just like, yeah, as much rest as possible. Um, nice changing. Bathroom. No, I didn't ice bath. Um, had my Pure Sport CBD balm, which was like a massage into myself yeah. at every given opportunity. Because self-massage obviously promotes like the blood flow. So like, sure. just trying to like, like try recover yeah. as much as possible. But yeah, yeah. changing position on the bike, but that really didn't help that much. 
I basically had constant pins and needles in my butt um, and the base of my palms from halfway into each day after the halfway mark. But yeah, the legs were holding up still at this point. I was like shocking myself for every turn. I was like, I'm still going. My legs are still an 8 out of 10. I had a few teeny tiny niggles that like took my knee down to a 7 out of 10 or my ankle out down to a 7 8 out of 10. But yeah, luckily stayed up high. But yeah, the butt was the most tiring bit. I'd actually have to stop like in the last quarter of the day, stop a few times just to like have a bit of like pressure release yeah. and just like walk just, around. Yeah, like Just twerk a bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you love a little twerk. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, get across the border, which was a great, amazing experience because I also haven't spent loads of time in Scotland, so I was looking forward to what was to come. Beautiful place. Lots of savage hills to come, but I was like, mm. lots of landscape that I've never seen before and I get to see it from a bike it's, it's somewhere I mean until I'd gone and done the North Coast 500 with the boys uh, was it last year maybe I can't even remember what it was I think it was last year but um, you really don't appreciate what's on your doorstep I think as British people because whenever we think of holiday we think abroad sun because we don't see any here um, and something a bit different we don't want to hear our own language we don't want to see anyone that we know but there are so many places, especially in Scotland and quite north of Scotland as well, the North Coast 500 is, and you just see some of the most spectacular sights ever. Like some of the most beautiful, I mean, I took my favourite ever picture that I've taken, a photograph, um, was, in, was in Scotland in the Highlands because it's just vast and the mountains are beautiful. Um and it's so untouched as well, which is brilliant. Like, it feels like you've stepped back, like, hundreds of years ago, and it's exactly how it was, other than a road going through it, obviously. But it's just amazing. Um, so I can imagine that that was pretty, pretty yeah. awe-inspiring. Yeah, so, I mean, just across the border, so, like, south-south Scotland, not, like, could be part-likened to some bits of the Midlands. There yeah. were some, like, there were some mundane parts, but also, luckily, some pretty gorgeous parts. So, like punctuated with some like industrial cities there were some really great views but yeah. so yeah for what I do so yeah um Kendall to Lockerbie Lockerbie to Glasgow was a pretty good day um again another day so that this was like a stretch of like quick days after so from being with my dad on like day five and then rest day day six so those were two quick days and day seven, eight and nine were all like quick days. I just wanted to get through them and get my, get started on my rest and recovery because I, I know what's to come. What, yeah. what anyone asked me before the challenge, I was like, I'm worried about the first three days and I'm worried about the last three days, but I'm, I've trained for the six in the middle. Yeah. And that was, that was a hundred percent the case. Right. And, and that kept, that, that, that kind of kept me going because I was like, okay, day seven, eight and nine, I'm getting through them fairly quickly. They're not crazy hilly. But they're more interesting than the, the lower Midlands. Um, so yeah, getting through the north of England and the south of Scotland, I was like, just blitz days, finish early, get to see the place I'm going, get to stretch well, like yeah, wash my stuff, eat well, but eat well early enough so I don't have that problem of overeating and getting to bed with a full stomach and then just resting up wonderfully and getting started at a decent time and just getting through it again. So yeah, seven, eight, nine were just quick, great, not too many stops. Um... Because also there wasn't, there's not too much rugby union in that part of the country. So Sale Sharks was the last kind of rugby stop. I, I missed out Wilmslow, which is the home of Lucid, so I managed, I got to stop at um, before getting into Manchester, which was a really good experience. But yeah, Sale Sharks was the last bit of rugby stop 
like stoppage that I had until meeting Jamie Batty at Glasgow Warriors. Um, so that was quite good about in those days was I just got to get through it. I just got head down, me, myself and like my bike on the roads and just yeah. did it, which was really good. And then my favourite day came Glasgow to Glencoe. And then, sorry, Glasgow through Glencoe to Fort William. That was my longest day on the bike. Not my hilliest because that was down on day two. My longest day, 172 kilometres. So over 100 miles. Wow. On a single speed. Bloody hell. Oh my <laughs> um, God. So yeah, perspective for you, over double palace to palace <laughs> with a single speed um, <laughs> and through the Scottish Highlands. But I didn't feel like I was cycling half the time because I was just... On a high. On absolute high. Like Mad. looking around me, take, like, taking pictures, taking videos, just like, this is some unreal landscape. Yeah. Lake behind me and then looking to a mountain in front of me and then another lake comes past me and then I descend this like great windy road. I felt like I was in the Alps, like... But that felt just unreal. Like you felt like you unreal. That was prob that was that was definitely my favourite day. It wasn't the the most euphoric I felt because that was in the last twenty kilometers. Sure. Um just like knowing yeah. I've actually I'm done this. Done. <laughs> done this. Like, what the hell? But that was like that was where I started feeling confident about finishing. Mm. Was that day. I was like, this is my longest day and I'm and I, I don't like I was scared. I was like, it's 170, it was planned on Strava to be 175 kilometers. So I was like, crap, this is what long day yeah because especially after days and days of cycling and you've never done something like this before and you don't know how your body's going to hold up in and, and if you've got the longest day right just before the day end 10. then you just don't know what like is your body at some point just be like now nah, i'm done i yeah. can't do this anymore like one string strand of your hamstring yeah. just like Bing. and then yeah. yeah and i that was the thing i was i was thinking about that all the time i was like this niggle could get worse i would and I, it never did and i was like so grateful yeah. but I mean obviously grateful to myself for ha- how much just, prep you did I did enough prep yeah. my, like the, that yoga in the first quarter of the year yeah. must have helped oh, massively it would have done yeah. obviously the the base fitness that I've built up throughout my entire life of being such a sporty person but then yeah the training I did whilst I was in Oxford I just must have prepared enough and this like anyone that I've spoken to in the last few weeks about it is like I'm just shocked that I actually didn't get injured like preparation that I'd done was enough like, it, just, it was mental and like, I actually finished it with my legs still feeling like an 8 out of 10. Math. And having awesome. the energy to sink a bottle and a half of champagne then wine with my <laughs> mum and girlfriend at the finish. Like, <laughs> it was mad. But, um, yeah, so that was my most beautiful day. Um, but didn't feel like 172 kilometres because it was just unreal. Yeah, Glencoe through Fort William, that place, like that, oh, amazing. And Fort William Mackey's was chef's kiss <laughs> <laughs> like I probably consumed again early enough but three take and it a half. in the local culture then like yeah, the, yeah. The, the yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> three and a half thousand calories of Mackey's that's nuts three thousand calories of Mackey's and then bought myself like two pastries and a pack of biscuits for breakfast the next day wow um, ladies and gentlemen this guy can eat yeah. and that's actually well that's been proven again tonight from dinner but when, but the beautiful thing is, is like if you ever want to eat that much and have the excuse to eat that much, go and cycle loads yeah. and loads and loads, and then you can warrant it. You can even it. go on a long ass walk, but like that's one thing that I love about my fitness life. Yeah. It enables me to do another thing that I love: is eat food. Eat food. Like I love food. I love that experience, yeah. and it's not just like Mackey's or like no, smashing cookies. I do also enjoy like good yeah. culinary experiences and good gastro but you were, you've earned it so that you've makes it that it. much yeah. more satisfying I guess and not to in... say speaking of like touching on that quickly I'd be obviously not nutritionist but yeah. not to say that like you should ever feel like you have to earn food yeah but 
I, for me, I, I do like that. I do like going on a really long walk, a really long bike yeah. ride, and then sitting down for far for my food. Agreed. And not feeling bad. And again, not that you should ever feel bad about putting food in your body, but not feeling bad personally that I can say yes to start a main dessert, a couple of glasses of wine, and just like just enjoy it all to the fullest. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and then we're into the, I think it's the, the, the last like, stretch. Yeah. the Highlands, the last two days. Fort William to a place that I will try and pronounce and definitely get wrong. North of like Dingwall and Allness. Balnaguizich. <laughs> Not a clue. <laughs> Scottish get into him in the, uh, into the comments. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was put... At me. Where was it? Um, where? What? 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 What's that again? Um, somewhere, yeah, just north of Allness, um, but far enough outside of the town, um, that I didn't want to cycle back to the town for dinner. So luckily, the family that I stayed with, really kind, like, let me join them for dinner. Um, really nice house, and also then let me join them for breakfast. That was, and I, I booked myself into a really nice Airbnb for that last day. Mm. Happened to be like a. A, like really well um kept farmhouse that like modernized and like extended um so great for me as an architect like has yeah, great right, conversations yeah, with yeah. the um i think sue and sean the couple that i stayed with yeah really great conversations and that was that set me up perfectly for the last day um but yeah the locks the locks um were pretty flat which was great so that was day 11 and then finishing in balmaguizic knowing that I only had one more day to go was unreal. And that's yeah. when it really started to hit me. I was like, oh my goodness. Did you feel uh, at all like you'd run out of steam or were you kind of like galvanised by the fact that now I'm into my last day, like there's no turning back now? And... Yeah, that's the thing. So like, was there, the po- was there a point where I felt like I had run out of steam or was going to run out of steam? I was worried on day four, like day three and four, those flats, like mentally... But my, my body was always there for me. Like, it was always going to be able to carry me. And it was that, that David Goggins thing. Like, I always remember the exact number. It was like, is it 40% rule or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, like, when you think you're done, you're only really at 40% of your body. Your yeah. body's capacity, your mind may be at 100%, but your body's actually only re- somewhere around. And obviously, there's no genuine science, but yeah. there or thereabouts. Yeah. And he's done some pretty savage days of hell weeks. Yeah, and all he's, that sort put, of stuff he's put himself to so, yeah. horrible stuff. I mean, so, and I, I've listened to his book and I know a lot of people in like the ultra running world and the ultra cycling world that have put themselves through a lot more than what I was putting mm. myself through. Not to say that it wasn't a huge feat, but yeah. I knew that I could keep going and my body was still there underneath me and still carrying me through. So the only tiring bits were the bits where my mind then started to dip as well. Um, But no, there was no real, so fortunately there was no real point where I was like, I'm actually not going to make it. I was still worried about what's to come early early in the days, but there was no point where I thought I was too spent to keep going. Awesome. And no no day where I finished like, oh, am I going to wake up tomorrow and not be ready to go? Every morning I woke up ready to go and back up at 8, 9 out of 10. Um, so yeah, even up in the like days 10, like 9, 10, 11, because I, that was every pedal that was at the point where I was like every pedal stroke I take I'm getting close to the finish like, yeah. I'm just not that that wasn't the case from day one but yeah. I felt it then and that energised me in those last few days <laughs> and then yeah day last final day was pretty it was amazing there were stretches of the A9 that sucked because I was mainly A road all day there were some unbelievably gorgeous sections and some the, the, some of the steepest hill that I've done like a 15%, 12%, 15% stretch. 
where I have like fighting the bike down at such a slow pace that I step off, but so determined not to walk, I would just stop still, yeah. catch my catch my breath, maybe have a little bit of water, and then have to go back down the hill a meter to clip back in and then go. Wow. Up. Um, but that I was bad. there was no way I was walking, Jesus. so I was like stop, yeah, stop on a 12, 15 percent gradient, <laughs> stop still, not move, but then to clip back in, I was like either go along the hill or even down a little bit to get momentum into my movement to get back up yeah. into that groove. Um, but yeah, then once I'd done that, it was like, oh, it's basically flat for the rest of the, the ride. I've got 30 kilometers. Again, gorgeous scenery winding, so mm. not boring flat with no, like it, was just, it wasn't monotonous. It was just unreal. And then I turned to the final road and you early doors, if I'd seen 20 kilometers to go on my computer, I'd be like, oh God, it's going to be another boring flat. But obviously... By 20 kilometers to go, I could basically see the finish line. Um, and I had a tailwind, like a constant tailwind for possibly the first time in the whole journey. Brilliant. And I banged my tunes in, not because I needed them then, but because I wanted to play like some of my favorite songs, like yeah. coming into the finish. Yeah. And then, like, yeah, unbelievably, I didn't, I knew my mum was going to come up to the finish for me because it would have been pretty depressing if I'd finished the challenge like that alone and then just gone and sat in a hotel <laughs> so my mum very kindly came up but 2.2 kilometers from the finish someone in a 4x4 winds down the passenger window of a car and it was my girlfriend who I had no idea was supposed to be coming up to see me which was amazing so my mum had brought her up on the plane um, and booked us all into the hotel at the end Wow! but it was quite funny because they were racing along the A9 to try and get to the finish before me. It was another one of those days where I was just like, I've just got to keep churning, got to keep churning, yeah. got to keep going. And yet 2.2 kilometres before the finish, they overtook me and just about beat me to the, <laughs> just about beat me to the, the sign. But yeah, that was one, of, that was the most euphoric moment, which I actually spoke about on that blog that we've done. Yeah, 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 the yeah. For, um, Tell me a time official on Instagram. But yeah, that was the, that was the most euphoric moment. That last 20K, I put my, tunes in by choice to enjoy it even more mm -hmm. not to keep me going wind was behind me someone at my back it was just an absolute Brilliant. dream coming into the finish and then you get off your bike what are the feelings that you kind of feel straight away i was baffled i, I still am baffled like i think of that moment coming to finish and there was like i'm done yeah i I still like. I still can't really put words to it, but I, I've just got to the end of Land's End. John O'Groats on a single speed, and I can walk. I can still walk. I can still talk. I can still like. I, and then I chatted to people at the finish line, t telling them all about my story. Some gay guy gave me a cash donation to the charity. Oh, like, that's awesome. Yeah, it was mad. Um, like, people and more people wanted to take a picture of my bike as a joke, like yeah. to say that they'd done it on a single speed, or like. And then I actually stood there for like ten minutes taking pictures of other couples. Or like other people underneath the sign because it's just like why not? Yeah. Um, You're in a good place. It's just yeah, it was a really good place, but such a confused place. I was yeah. like, I'm done. Yeah. About the other tip. It's a lot what, to comprehend. What the hell? Yeah. How like how have I got here? How like how 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 like just <laughs> how I'm here and I've done it and I'm done. Was there a big party in the evening? Yeah. We, <laughs> yeah, we 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 hadn't booked anything, so we had to go to like the biggest local Tesco's, which was end, end up being like twenty minutes drive away. We just bought like a massive spread of whatever we like, whatever we really fancied. So mm. meze vibes, but like just whatever we fancied. 
and then we all bought a bottle of wine each. So class. Champers to start, and then yeah, rosé and white wine, smash them all. <laughs> Unbelievable. Legend. Legend. Well, mate, yeah. that oh, oh, wow is the the word to say. Bloody wow! You're a legend for completing that, and the 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 charity that you did it for. But like, what a test of your strength—not just physically, but mentally as well. That is an—it's an amazing job, and um, no, it's a quality story, mate. I thoroughly like it. I'm sure you probably tell from my face, but like, thoroughly lap that up. Um, before we we wrap up, because I appreciate you—you you still need to get home, uh, <laughs> and we've been sitting here for a long time. But if you could say three things that you've learned from that journey and the whole experience, not just like the journey itself, but the training as well. What, I mean, if you can, obviously put you on the spotlights there, but what would they be? Fuck what other people think of you. Because there was some of my darkest moments where before I put the tunes in, I started thinking about like who was proud of me, who hasn't donated to me. Why is this person not messaged me? Like just started getting to those places of like thinking about, because of, because of the social media pressure and yep. the pressure I was putting on myself and all the conversations I was having to have, I was like, this person didn't say this, this person hasn't reached out to me. Like, just all that sort of stuff. Like, this person said they were going to donate and never did. Like, just all that sort of stuff. And it just started compounding and getting into my head when I was when I was tired. My mind was tired, my body was tired, and I hadn't put the tunes in to keep me going. And I was on those mundane flats, and I just was thinking about other people and what they thought of me. And I was like, just... And then I got to points where I was like, just fuck. What other... Like when I was back up feeling good about myself, I was like reminding myself that I should not be worrying so much about, and I'm definitely going to take some time off social media. I may even combine it with, cause I'm, I think I'm going to do sober October mm-hmm. just cause I enjoy like breaking up the, I, I love drinking and I love summer, but I also like in breaking up my year and having like stints of like clean eating and clean drinking. Yeah, so sure. I might pair sober October with, no social media. I think you'll feel fantastic because <laughs> I honestly I'm going through a period where like there's an element of me that I like social media. It's good to stay connected, good for the podcast, good to reach out to people and all of that stuff. But it really sucks. Sucks. It sucks. They really like it is the biggest energy taker and it causes so many more problems than it solves. Yeah. And it's just not good for you. It yeah. really isn't. Like I'll maintain that and. I, I am on it too much, but that's probably the fact that we're all partially addicted mm. in some way. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, yeah, I back that. Tip, tip one, yeah. Fuck it. Fuck them. Yeah. Like, look out for yourself and your loved ones. Otherwise, those ones close to you. It's just like valuing, valuing your own opinion of yourself yeah. above anyone yeah, else. Absolutely. That, at the end of the day, is the only that's thing that matters, matters, right? Yeah. So, yeah, that, just don't. And it's so, obviously, it's easy for me to say. But I was telling myself, I was talking to myself about this, so like, and I got into dark moments and had to talk myself out of them. But that really do your best and not care about what other people think of you because, and if you're not strong in that mentality now, do your best to pull yourself through and and improve your relationship with what other people think of you. And that's I'm definitely going to be doing that over the next few months because I've spent my whole life like I've always wanted to be cool, and I've always wanted people to think the most of me, and I put a lot of pressure on myself. And I wrote it. I wrote this in one of my posts. I can't remember which day it was on the on the challenge, but um, yeah, like I'm saying that like I need to take more time to just think about how proud I'm of myself and the achievements Definitely. I am doing, Definitely. rather than thinking about all the other people in this world and what they may think of me because that really doesn't matter. Hundred percent. Um, training. Just do 
your training. Yeah. Just do just it. Get it done. Just and the extras as well, right? Not extras, just like yeah. not just the start. So like if you're training for a marathon, if you're training like, you know, rugby for instance, it's like not just doing the activity that you're mm. about to do. But like you say, you yoga, yoga you're stretching. It doesn't have to be nutrition. yoga, but yeah. the, the complementary for whatever you're training for, do those complementary exercises. Do the extras. When I back when I was training and playing for OEs, I always did my extras, and mm. by by that I actually didn't do any prescribed extras. My extras were cycling to and from Eltham from Berman from Bermondsey, which was like 30, 40 minutes yeah. each day, and that was to and from. So I did an hundred, an hour and twenty minutes of extras but it was cardio on the bike so yeah. I was always one of the fittest people on the pitch mm-hmm. because although I wasn't necessarily doing coach prescribed extras afterwards I was doing way more fitness than most people on the pitch were doing just getting the hours um, in. But yeah, just getting those extra hours in doing those complementary exercises if your physio tells you your glutes are weak or your calves are weak make sure they're not yeah. and that was the thing like pre pre um like warming up my glutes before every ride also one thing I did focus on a lot if I ever went to the gym in 2021 it was all like hip and core stabilization for the, so the cycling strengthening my glutes quads like loosening my quads because on a single speed they were going to be by far the tightest muscle yeah so loosening my quads the most stretched muscle this year were my quads and the most worked muscle this year was probably my glutes possibly my calves and um, but yeah just making sure that the right muscles were being treated the right way i'm running up to the challenge and then one more thing I mean, you've given a lot already, but in terms of what you've learned about yourself, in terms of like being able to push yourself. Oh yeah. Oh well. I mean, I'd. It was weird to say, but that almost wasn't hard enough. <laughs> right. Well, that's going to lead me on to the next one question, and probably the one that we'll f- finish on. But do you think that you'll do another challenge like that again? He's nodding. Way more than one. Okay. Way more than one. I like it. Are you going to keep that secret for now? I don't have a plan. It probably, I think I'll step off the bike. I love cycling and I will cycle. I, I'll, have, I'll take my single speed up to Liverpool. I want to be a delivery rider just to like supplement my sure. like, government income um, yeah. as a student for the last year. But mm-hmm. I want, I'd like to have, let's say, like for a holiday or like just have a bit yeah. of extra money. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, do something like that. Um, but, or, and go uh, join the cycling club at Union. Like, do, do those sort of rides. But I think... I've always wanted to do a triathlon at some point in the future. I'm happy to release all of this because I have no plans for another challenge yet. I've always wanted to do triathlons. At some point in my life, I'm pretty sure I'll do an Ironman. Um, pretty sure. Heard it here. Just hate, I just hate swimming. No, I don't know. I love swimming. Yeah. But the idea of swimming nonstop for an hour is mental. Hanging. Absolutely mental. I've done the distance on a bike before. I run a marathon before. It's obviously combining all three is savage, but swimming for an hour or longer is just mental to me. <laughs> like maintaining that movement in in moving water, like mostly open water, it's just nuts. Yeah, and the great. combination of three. So yeah, at some point in my future, I see that. But I think the next challenge will probably be running again, possibly a marathon, possibly a an ultra, maybe a trail ultra. Who knows. All of those things sound hideous to me, <laughs> yeah, and won't be in my immediate future. But, until I stop playing, but one thing that you will like, and we can agree on, is I want to play a bit of rugby this year. Yes, lad. But the rugby that I want to play this year, I want to lead me to playing social sevens next summer because I missed out this summer. Yeah. 
because of the challenge. I didn't want to injure myself. Yeah. And I like I wasn't rugby fit, I was cycling fit. So yeah. next summer I want to gear myself up to so I played some rugby in up in Liverpool this year and gear myself up for the social seven circuit next summer. But that's definitely brilliant on, on the cards. Mate, it's been awesome having you on. I loved hearing the story. Appreciate it. We're all proud of you. Thanks You're an absolute, absolute legend for, for the challenge, just being you, being the positive self and, and everything everything that you've done and are doing. Um, I think it's, it's awesome, man. So congratulations. If people want to donate to your Just A Given page, where can they find it? Hashtag link in bio. Hashtag link in bio. Yeah, we'll whack, we'll whack it all down there. Um, any shout outs you want to give to anyone that helped you or um, that we haven't mentioned already? so many people yeah. um, I almost it's really weird I almost don't want to start because I don't want to forget people yeah fair enough um, well, you, so know yeah, who, you, you know who you, say you are you know who you are it's, it's yeah. I hate to have to say you know who you are but you do know who you are yeah. and like there, there will be people that will never listen to this but they're out there and they do know who they are because they help me endlessly for sure um, but if I start naming names I won't stop we'll be here for another 20 minutes and I'll still forget people <laughs> <laughs> that's cool Mate, thank you for thank you for your time. Um, and everyone, what a fantastic start to season two of Thacker Sunday Hangover. Um, yeah, welcome back. I'm glad to be back. Glad to be back doing these. James completely carried that one, uh, and and he was brilliant in storytelling. So thank you, buddy. And uh, yeah, hope you enjoy. Have a fantastic rest of your weeks whenever you're listening to this, and we'll see you very soon. <laughs>